Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you inspiring you to awaken the change within and I'm Karen Smith I'm Kim Morrison and I'm Cindy O'Meara and we have had a fairly hilarious start to this podcast (laughs) let me just say this about that (laughs) Cindy's been for a swim she's had a coffee she's had a good old crack up because I couldn't get my scratch to work and then they were sending me videos from Ted and I didn't even see them. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. It's the end of the year and I think we're all getting a bit tired and a little funny. <laughs> what was funny is that I really had lost it completely and I oh, have had dear. the best abdominal workout. Just oh, like, yeah. Oh, you got yourself sorted, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, girl. Oh, it's so funny. Mm. Well, Cindy, you've got a really great podcast for us to do today, which is kind of, it's actually really fun. And I think the timing couldn't be more perfect. I think, you know, we're coming towards the end of 2016 and introducing in a whole new wave, a whole new exciting year. And I don't know about you guys, but I always love when the end of the year comes because it's kind of like an end of a chapter. And when the new year starts, it's a new chapter. And it almost feels like... um, you know, I can review what the year has been like. I can get a feeling of what the year has been like and then try and anticipate what the year coming is going to be like. And it kind of, it, it's an exciting time culminated with a whole lot of presents. And it's fabulous that I think <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Day and my birthday presents. Yeah, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> but this, this article that you found by Amy Moran, I'm so excited for us to talk about that. Tell us about how you came across it. I spent a lot of time in airports, a lot of time on planes, a lot of time on everything. And I 
I um, bank up articles or magazines um, that I want to read when I'm on it. And um, I came across this article and I read it yesterday, actually. On I went down to Sydney for the day to deliver a, a Thermomix um, to the winner of our Thermomix competition. So um, I, I read this article and it was it was by Amy Morin and it's actually a book that she has written but someone has summarised it. Actually, I think she's summarised it and it's 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And it immediately caught my eye because uh, I wanted to know, oh, am I strong or not, you know? Do I do these things? <laughs> and I, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And as I was reading it, I thought it would be a really good podcast to talk about these things because some of them um, for me were a little bit foreign uh, that people actually do that. While other things were, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But there were some real foreign ones. But I thought, well, the three of us talk about it because we all have different experiences in our life. We all have different people in our life and we might find that there are people um, that do things differently um, to what we might be talking about. And I know um, there are many things. Like I looked at it and I went, well, there are, there are habits in there that I do uh, in order to remain strong. And I thought that that was important also. Uh, so that, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, there are things that we've got to do to remain strong. It's not just about not doing things. We have to do things to remain strong. And and what are those habits that we do in order to keep um, not only physically strong but mentally strong? And there are two other things I think that are really important um, that we should talk about as well, and that's uh, there are medications that can actually change the way we think. And so I really want to address that. Uh, and there's um, there's so much new information out there about how these medications are changing the way people are actually thinking. And maybe they, if they're thinking this way that we're going to be talking about, then don't think that that is you if you're on one of these medications. And we'll talk about those as well. And how do we change our thinking and the way we do things, I think, is another thing. So this could take us three hours, but anyway, I thought we'd start. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great topic. And I always think we learn something either from each other or even from this article. More than anything, it just makes you become aware and present, doesn't it, really around what am I like when I'm stressed? What does it feel like when I'm overwhelmed? Or how do I do things to keep me strong? So I think it's an awesome topic and I think we can all get a lot from it. Yeah, exactly. So what, kick us off, Cindy. We, we start at number one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Amy says number one is that um, people who are strong don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. <laughs> now, I find that, and, what, and this is what it says, it says mentally strong people don't sit around feeling sorry about their circumstances or how others have treated them. Instead, they take responsibility for their role in life and understand that life isn't always easy or fair. And I love yours, Karen. I love your whole take on this. Um, if I can, you know, put words in your mouth. Right. Go now. for it. Go yeah. for it. Well, you, know, you always say that um, things are perfect. Everything is perfect. It's the way it's meant mm. to be. It's to take you to the next step in your life. It's to take you um, to the next um, uh, chapter in your life. It's, it's so I love that. And I always think when something like that is happening in my life that I'm, I'm feeling like, um, something's not going the way I need it to go or want it to go. I just think, well, this is perfect. This is the way it's meant to be. Let's just see what happens. So that's my take on that one. I think I, I, I agree with you on that. I think I, I did a um, – I had my event, The Effortless Self Unplugged, last Friday, 
and we were talking about how challenges show up in people's lives and we were talking about how a challenge is is really it's a way kind of a way that the universe forces humanity to expand when we come up against things that don't work the way we want them to it's a forcing of us to expand because as a human there's only one job that we have on this planet only one and that's to be expanding and so that we're matching everything else on the planet so that there's this harmonistic vibration that occurs amongst us and everything else that exists on the planet and when those challenges come up we can't use the tools we're used to using otherwise we're just going to keep repeating history so the challenge forces us to expand into a realm of saying i don't know what i don't know and i'm willing to learn what i don't know i'm willing to research i'm willing to discover because if i had the answers for this i wouldn't be in this challenge so it's clear that when a challenge comes up you don't have the answers but most of us actually go back and look to what we already know which means that the challenge never serves its serves its purpose and then we feel like we're in groundhog day or you know the same challenge shows up later on but wrapped in a different package looking and feeling a little bit different but ultimately it's the same learning mm-hmm. so i think it's to to say that it's perfect is is the best way to catapult out of the doldrums of a challenge and to be on bended knee for 6 minutes not 6 days 6 weeks 6 months or 6 years to just simply say right this is perfect it's the stepping stone to my next level of life so let me get the lesson let me get it quick and let me move the hell on because life is calling me forward um and i really it it was something that came out um not sure where it comes from but we were we were talking and i said it's not that you have a, a life's calling necessarily it's that life is constantly calling us forward it's always calling us forward through challenge through opportunity through soul's deepest desire those are the invitations to step forward and to 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 not wallow in any drama because we are the ones who created suffering the universe didn't create suffer, create suffering it's just it's just experiences the fact that we ascribe suffering to anything even me being blown up the fact that we ascribe suffering to anything is something that we are doing it's just experiences really and i know that when a person's in the middle of something that's very hard to hear but um you know it's it, it, the quicker we can get to that state of acceptance and and on here it says on my screen it says here um we can we should train our brains to exchange self pity for gratitude as as mentally strong people don't waste their time and energy thinking about the problem instead they focus on creating a solution oh that's really cool yeah i really like that and i think mm, i think one of the things that i think that you guys do particularly well and probably why we enjoy each other's company is even when we're down um or feeling challenged or there's something that's come up we'll always i think it's really important to um show empathy for people and are you okay and check in but then it's like when someone turns around and goes yeah this sucks or this hurts or this isn't right or it's unfair it's like you can really empathize with it it's like it's like don't say don't stop crying or stop worrying or stop whatever it's like just let it out let it out and then how do we get ourselves above the line and accountable and move into how do we move into a direction of making it better and i think personally i think through our business coach bruce has really given me that cindy particularly around being above the line being accountable responsible and taking ownership for things which is also crossing into what you were saying karen about you know no the universe didn't do it it's how do we now take responsibility for this and i'm not suggesting that 
you know, we created a car accident necessarily or something awful's happened and it's very easy to say these words if we're not in a tough place. But objectively and in hindsight, when you look back at a challenging time, the greatest way to get through it is, I love that saying, you've got to feel it to heal it. So, you know, just, just work through whatever it is that you're feeling, but always have, I think, the end goal of how am I going to come out of this? How do I get out of this in the best way? Most of us don't enjoy sitting there wallowing in self-pity unless perhaps it's become a, a habit, um, in which case, who are you without that story and who are you without that habit, which can also be just as confronting for some I appreciate. But ultimately, I think where you two are very good for me is um, and probably why we all do the jobs that we do is we don't have time to wallow in our own self-pity. I mean, imagine, Cindy, your hundreds of thousands of followers watching you up on stage feeling sorry for yourself because the DVD didn't work for someone in some country or, you know, like I'm just suggesting, you know, Karen, if someone turned around to you and was sitting there and then you started crying and going, I know it really sucks to be me sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work. So a lot of the time, a lot of the time, I think for us, by by putting yourselves into this position or being a mom or a great daughter or a great friend or a great husband, part of that is showing up no matter what and and being the example not necessarily the answer and I love it when when someone said to me many years ago you don't always have to hide the truth or pretend everything's fine but just own it yeah I'm going through I'm having a shizzle of a day that's not working for me and I'm really peeved um, and then you know you, you lift your game it even happened to me at the gym this morning because I've got such bad back pain at the moment and I wasn't going to go to the gym. I thought, stuff it. I'm not going to the gym. And I was lying in bed feeling very sorry for myself. So it's very apt that this comes up. And I was lying there going, oh, it sucks. And it's not fair. Well, stuff it. I'll just lie here and sleep longer. And then 10 minutes later, I was going, well, I could be nearly at the gym now. Maybe I could just go for a walk. Anyway, my trainer texted me and said, hey, look, I'm really good at this stuff. I'll help you. And it was just like, oh. So then I got to the gym and okay, I didn't run today, but I did do a real strong power walk and still felt a bit sorry for myself. And then Jamie just walked past me and he goes, you've got this. You've got this. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, God, you're so right. And he goes, hey. And you're doing a hell of a lot better than the person who's lying in bed right now. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I feel much better now. So it was kind of like, I know I go through it sometimes and sometimes I do feel sorry for myself, but it's in those moments you go, yeah, actually, you know what, pick your sorry badass up, get out there and go for a walk, get into nature too. I think that works. Yeah. Uh, It's so funny because I swam with Ogilvy, who's one of um, our our mutual friends, Kimmy, and (laughs) he said to me, yeah, she texts me and she says she's not going. And then 10 to 5, she texts me again and says she's going. So. <laughs> I know I did, right? I was like, oh. Yeah, and I'm thinking, and I, I had, wonder what the challenge was. Well, I had such an excuse and a reason to not go. You know, like when life's hard or when you're in pain or when things aren't working, you do have reasons and excuses not to go or not to do things. But then it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And the part of me with endorphin release or staying in action, or I think we've talked about it before on podcasts, staying in motion, you know, keep keep moving forward, like you said, Karen, and and just focus on, on what can I do now? And now what can I do better? Okay, now I'm in a heap and I'm crying and it's not fair and it sucks. Okay, now what can I do better now that because you're not going to cry forever. Now what can I do? I might get a glass of water. Now what can I do? I might walk in bare feet and go and clear the mailbox. Okay, well, there you go. There's 10 moments or 10 breaths you've just got through before. You know, I think it is that moment by moment thing. So, yeah, totally. it was Yeah, I love you. It's, it's interesting. I was listening to an amazing interview um, over the weekend and Dr. Kelly Brogan sent it out and she's a 
psychiatrist that's written a book called, sorry, I've got to go to my Kindle and tell you what the book is. I'm reading it at the moment. Anyway, Dr. Kelly Brogan is a psychiatrist who... I love her. um, Oh, she's amazing. She's a psychiatrist out of New York and she's written the book, A Mind of Your Own. Um, and if I could read the exact title of it. Anyway, I'll, I'll find it for you. But anyway, she sent out a, a, a fabulous 35-minute interview with a woman by the name of Ali. Now, Ali is someone who has been given the um, diagnosis of depression, bipolar. Her doctors have all said, You'll have to be on the drugs for the rest of your life. Um, and she's been, she had five suicide uh, attempts. She always used to lay in bed. She says this in the interview, you know, she'd lay in bed and go, why me? What's wrong with me? And she questioned it all the time. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And wh- why do I feel this way? And, and, and this is, her whole life was like this. And every psychiatrist or doctor she went to would always just give her another drug and finally um, her therapist says, you need to go see Dr. Kelly Brogan in New York and you need to read her book. And finally, this woman goes. So she goes May this year um, to Kelly and Kelly puts her on a protocol and it's a dietary protocol. It's, so it's Kundalini yogurt, yogurt, <laughs> <laughs> yoga, um, coffee enemas, very much like the, you know, the one that my daughter Casey did Um on you know based on the cultured wellness program and um and what are we now we're in october november and she's a new woman and she said that she feels it's the medications that were making her question what was wrong with her and feeling sorry for herself Mm. and what she and the the defining moment for um ali in this interview is that she goes to dr kelly brogan and Dr. Kelly Brogan um, gives her hope because she said everybody had said, you've got this for the rest of your life. You have got to be on these drugs for the rest of your life. There's nothing we can do for you. She was in psychi- psychiatric wards. She was. She had the worst. It was an absolute worst. And, um, yeah, she she's now, you should hear this interview, and I'm going to actually put it on the show notes, mm. this interview, mm. because I think wow. people should listen to it because she's a different woman and the fact that she could get up and talk with Kelly for this amount of time and talk her story through. And, and basically Kelly Brogan is saying you must tell your story because it encourages other people, and that's why she got up and told it. And now she's helping her. 16-year-old autistic nephew. She's stopped feeling sorry for herself, stopped asking the question, what's wrong with me, got herself well, and she did it in, you know, through a protocol, got herself well, and now she's she, her, her 16-year-old nephew was about to be put into a home because he's autistic and he's a new boy. He's uh, Like it's, it's one of those inspiring interviews that just make you realise that, We have to get this word out here. We have to help people not only through us talking about it, but they have to put into action. Like you said, you must get into action. You must get into motion. And if you're not in action and not in motion and doing, creating this change, then you are going to just waste your time feeling sorry for yourself. Mm, I agree. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so I I always find, I always find people like that, like you say, Cindy, just so inspiring when they can kind of when they can pull themselves out from the ashes and really get new it's almost like I don't have words for that it's like they get new answers to an old problem 
and then they decide that they want to start helping other people. And I think I look at that and I think then nobody can say that that experience that that woman had was a mistake mm. because her what she went through, she went through on behalf of mankind. She went through on behalf of her nephew. She went through on behalf of everybody that's hearing the story and reading the book and then like you telling other people. It's, you can't ever think that anything is not purposeful in your life or in the life of another human being. I, I just It blows my mind. It blows my mind. It's so inspiring. Yeah. And, and you know, <sighs> the thing I had a really very close friend call me um, probably about four or five weeks ago now, and he was really didn't know what to do about his wife. And um, she had anxiety. She wouldn't leave the house. Um, I remember when she was pregnant, she had Bell's palsy. So I know she hasn't been well for a long time because this is 30-odd years ago that she was pregnant. And so he rang and and they just couldn't find an answer. And I suggested um, the Cultural Wellness Program. I said she needs to, you know, do something really drastic and needs to change what we're now learning, you know, the the gut and the brain are so entwined and she had gut issues. And I said, this is what needs to happen. So um, I I referred her on and um, she'd had one one consult um, with Kirsty. And I got home and I got a text from Kirsty saying that she had passed away. And I, I rang Kirsty and I said, if only we had got her a month, you know, a year ago. If only we had got to this person um, a year ago, we know we could have at least had a change in in how she's feeling about life and everything. So I said to Kirsty, because Kirsty and I are now doing a joint venture, and hopefully we'll have that up on Changing Habits, you know, next year in 2017. But I said. Like Dr. Tom O'Brien says, not on our watch. We are going, we have to spread this message. We have to get this out there so that people do have an alternative. What did you say, Karen? A different answer to an old problem? Is that what you said? A new answer to an old problem. Old problem. Yeah. yeah, a new answer to an old problem because the problem is, is that psychiatry and mental disorders, and I I'm, I see feeling sorry for yourself and and wasting time on that. Something that, you know, we're not clicking our brains into the bigger picture, that what life is all about. It's not just about us. It's about it's bigger than that. It's bigger than us. And um, But like you said, Karen, we can't say that it was a mistake that Ali, who was, you know, interviewed by Kelly Brogan, Her life wasn't a mistake because over and above her wanting to help her her nephew, she wants to create a hospital. I mean, she doesn't want to call it a hospital, but a place where people can come and do the program and the protocol um, and not be in the situation she was in. Look, she's in her 40s. I can hardly wait to see what this woman does. She's just a girl on fire. Oh, I love it. Mm. It almost makes me want to, it makes me very emotional. It does, I, just, I think, yeah, totally, totally. It's it, like I said, it's the most inspiring thing in the world when people, when people can, like you know, get through it and then and then become a voice. I love it. Yeah, beautiful, well, the, beautiful. 
Well, let's look at two. Num- um, this is the second thing that they say that the 13 things, you know, mentally strong people don't do. So one is that, and that I think this is really interesting, is that they don't give away their power. Mm-hmm. And one of the things when you do have a mental illness is that you give your power away. You, you, you don't think that you can change that. So what you do is that you give your power to somebody else for them to fix you. Now, we can look at it in all aspects of life, but um, because we started talking about mental illness, I thought I, could, I would continue down there. So what happens is that in any physical or mental illness that you have, instead of you seeing it as an opportunity for change, often people see it as not an opportunity to change, but who can I go to to fix me? Who will fix me? And that's giving your power away. So we go to our doctor if we have a physical sy- symptom, let's say, and the doctor says, oh, this is the symptom, take this drug. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. You just go back to your old ways, your old life. But I actually see mental and physical um, Disease, and I'm saying DIS with the space ease, and so that can be any disease that you have in your life. I actually see that as your opportunity to change. So, um, what, Cindy? Can I just interrupt you there, though? For some people, you know, going to a doctor or a specialist or seeing someone, an osteopath, a chiro, an acupuncturist, whatever. For some people, though it's very healing in the sense that it helps them it gives them more power to understand like you know you're not a doctor that necessarily understands the anatomy and physiology and everything that makes up your body so sometimes I think going on on another level I completely hear what you're saying but on another level to actually get a diagnosis or to get a understanding of what's happening then to go away and and work on yourself or work with yourself or with a team of people to help you through I think sometimes um, seeing someone with more knowledge doesn't necessarily give your power away from this context, and I'm sure you'd agree with me. No, I agree with you entirely, but it, it is a, go to them, get the information, find out what's wrong with you, have the x-rays, do the blood tests, do um, whatever it takes, um, but then know that it's not about just a pill, that it is about your opportunity to make um, changes and finding the team around you and in the context of what um, Amy has said she said that don't allow others to control um, so this is that don't give their power away so don't allow others to control them and they don't give in someone else power over them they don't say things like my boss makes me feel bad because they understand that they are in control of their own emotions and they have a choice in how they respond and I guess that's the same. You have a choice in how you respond to whatever situation that you're in, whether it be a health, a relationship, an emotional crisis. So, for instance, Karen, um, the choice on how you responded to, you know, being blown up, as, as you like to say. Oh, <laughs> that's right, she's all blown up. <laughs> she took one for the team. I like to say I took one for the team. I do. (laughs) But I have to say, like, it didn't happen. Like, that didn't happen straight away. But, um, yeah, I I think when you've got – and it's interesting what you said, Kimmy, about, like, going to the doctor and actually getting um, a diagnosis and then from there being able to work out your own strategy and plan. I think 
that worked so well for me, being able to understand what was wrong. And even just even just recently, um, you know, getting getting some idea in terms of all of the hormone changes and all of that sort of stuff. And now I know what to meditate on. Now I know what to do, you know, a little bit better with with what I'm what I'm eating and what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and stuff. And I think that it makes it makes a really big difference when a person's educated, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think and and Cindy, I think that's where you've been such a catalyst for or a pain in the butt, bloody pain, (gasps) honestly, always telling us what we should do, what program we should be on, what we should be listening to, what we should be reading. Honestly, net, 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 it's in the background all the time. (laughs) But you know know what I think, though, even though with my girlfriend that we spoke about a couple of weeks back who has um, the son that being diagnosed with diabetes, I can actually say that the podcast that we did brought such peace and calm, especially for me, because I was in a bit of a state with it, but brought such incredible peace and calm that it allowed everybody to start to think clearly. Because the way that you articulated it and and the way that you speak about it and, and the research that you have behind so many things, I mean, you're just this font of knowledge. And I think that everybody that's listening to the podcast couldn't help but agree with me. You really bring... Um, Peace, calm, clarity, direction, um, and, and also a bit of um, sometimes a bit of a wake-up call to say, hang on a second, don't be blindsided by this. Wake up and start to pay attention to what's going on inside of your body. Don't hand over your power like you were just saying. Don't hand it over. Retain it, hold it, and, and um, you know, get your own clarity, get your own idea of what's going to be right for you. And I think that that in and of itself, is such a gift. It's such a blessing. You know, we are, and I wanted to say this to you, I was was actually going to call you during the week, but I really wanted to say this to you. You are such an incredible um, gift and blessing to millions and millions of human beings. And I don't know if you actually realise the extent to which you leave your mark. Hmm. It's, It's profound. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. And I guess I love learning. I guess that's the biggest thing of all is I just love learning and I love teaching. So uh, I do what I love. And, mm-hmm. and, and I often don't understand when somebody is, I guess I don't understand when somebody is ill to not want to know what, what to do but you know what the hardest thing I think is is knowing the right thing to do Mm. where do Mm. I go there are a hundred opinions out there and sometimes like I know when my sister got sick and we never even heard of crest disease and which was the autoimmune disease that she had and to find you know to find the right information and what everyone was doing and then when she got cancer of the esophagus as a result of Crest, I, I was reading so much about it. But it was, what do you do? You can't do everything. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing. Um, and I think 10 years ago it was harder than it is today. Today I feel like it's easy. You can find experts. You can ask people. They're on the web. We have such an amazing 
um, search engine on the web now that you can actually find these things and people will advise. And and then I, I know someone who said to me recently said, okay, Cynthia, I've looked at this, 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 and this. They all seem to be saying approximately the same thing. I don't know who to go with. And I'm going, who, who do you intuitively feel good at this moment about following? And she told me, and I said, well, go with her. Do that. That's what you need to do. So I think it's when you find that person that gives you that clarity, you feel that you're on the right path with them. And as the beautiful Dr. Joe Dispenza says in his book, um, The Placebo, You Are the Placebo, uh, and as Ali says in her interview with Dr. Kelly Brogan, is that hope is one thing, belief is another thing, and then action. So you, it's no good acting on something if you have no belief or hope around it. Would you, would you kind of agree with me on that one? It's mm-hmm. it's it's an all-encompassing thing, and that's why I think the three of us do so well together. Is that you're that mind, Karen? I'm the, the all the the physical stuff, the nutrition and the chemical stuff, and then Kimmy is all the everything to do with chemical free living and. Um, she also does all of the cosmetics and all of that. Plus, she's really good at relationships. <laughs> Tart. It's because we have that combination. And I think those things are so important. We have to chemically freely, we have to eat the right foods, and we have to think the right way. So it's, you know, think right, eat right, move right, mm. be right. Be right, yeah. Be right. Be right. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Amazing. I love us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you too. Kimmy, do you have something to say about not giving away power, the power? Um, I just think of things like people that have had bad upbringings or perhaps they've not had good parenting or perhaps the, the parents that they dreamed of having or perhaps they've been abused or perhaps there's a, a problem around food or emotional eating and all these sorts of things. Like I think there's always a chance to redefine ourselves and whilst, you know, you might say, let's say someone that's been abused, you know, all men are whatever you want to call them you know that's giving away your power that's to me that's that's giving it over to someone who you've just framed or put a whole lot of people into one category and it's it's not right it's not fair to yourself especially I think sometimes we can blame teachers or we can say that I never got this because that happened or I really think the giving away your power is when you put the blame onto someone else and rather than going okay well that happened what can I do now to drive more carefully or to be more better or to make sure that the relationships that I have are very empowering and I will not have someone come into my life that does not treat me with the love, the regard and the respect, regardless of what happened to me in the past. And I think for me personally, um, I've even done it with my children. I've handed over my power. You know, they might have bullied me into letting me think that going to a party is a great idea and I feel like my power's all gone because they're getting bigger and they're, 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 they get annoyed if I don't let them. And then I realise that not giving away my power isn't throwing a, a tantrum or going, you're not listening to me, it's 
tell me why you want to go here and tell me how, give me a reason why I should trust you to do that and give me the understanding of what that context looks like as a mother so that I can really support you to make the actions and the choices that you want but from my perspective I need to have the understanding that you've got the responsibility and maturity to handle that so I've really learned that rather than throwing a tantrum or, or spitting the dummy or blaming people for me to keep my power is I love the four agreements. It's first, you know, mm. one of the agreements in there is to ask questions. And so for me, it's always to, to keep my power is, is to ask questions. Why does that make you feel like that? And how does that make me feel? And it's it's that constant questioning, which Karen's, I'm not saying I do it very well all the time, but it's really taught me, Kaz, to really constantly question and then question that. And, and then why would you question that even? And you keep going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where there's the rabbit hole. Yeah, and, and then there's nothing or the no thing. It, it's seriously, I get there every single time. The more I question, the more I go to a place of no thing. And and mm. that's a beautiful place, I feel. Yeah, yeah. it's my favourite place. I'm trying to get to that place of no thing. No oh. thing. Nowhere. Really? Yeah, I've been trying to get to it because I'm doing Joe's um, Joe Dispenser's um, meditation, and he asks you about 20 minutes into the meditation to go to that place of no thing, and I'm like going, no thing. Okay, where's no thing? I, Where I, is we, that? What's the address? Of nowhere, of no. I, like it's quite hilarious. I'm listening to it and, and I question him. I'm going, where is that? I can't find that, Joe. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually, it's actually easy. Do you want me to give you a way in? Yeah. Yes, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you so there's two methods that I use. It's really fast. I imagine that I've just fallen out of the sky, like I'm having a conversation with God Almighty Himself, and I'm saying I want to come down to the earth, and instantly they boot me out of the heavens. I fall down to the sky, and I land in this skin. And what's in front of me is a coffee cup and my laptop, and that's it. There's no past, and there's no future. There's just what's in front of me right now. And if the more I force not force myself but the more I um, train my brain and I train myself to do that fall out of the sky land in this body I, all of a sudden I look at these legs I look at these hands and then I'm in a state of intense curiosity as to what these hands can do even as I'm sitting here now I'm feeling it yeah so I, I fall out of the sky and I've just landed in this body so that makes everything on this planet brand new to me everything which is which means everything is nothing until I make it something and so I don't make anything anything because every moment that I can remember to do it, I'm falling out of the sky, which makes everything nothing. And then it just becomes I'm in a state of absolute presentness and curiosity about everything, even the fact that I can move my hands and that I'm speaking and I can hear sound. So that if you're not in meditation, that's a really great way to do it during the day is to just imagine yourself falling out of the sky. Fall, 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 bang, land in the skin. What's in front of you? A handbag. What's in front of you? A street if you're driving the car. What's in front of you? Um, a notebook, whatever. And then you just be with whatever's in front of you. No past, no future. And you just, when you do that, the space between your two ears gets very, very quiet. But what the sensation is inside of the body is a sensation of newness, renew, uh, a new curiosity about what's in front of you. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And I, I think what really um, hit it for me just then was when you said um, it, everything is no thing until you make it something. That yes. actually was... Yeah. That was good. That was the key thing. That was a really good one is everything is no thing until you make it something. So mm. I think I can go to there. <laughs> okay, great. That's terrific. And, and you know, as soon as you put a label on something like a handbag or a cup or a tree or a dog or a car, you stop seeing it. You stop relating to it. So if you can do that, everything is no thing, then don't label anything, not a kettle, not a fridge, not a person. Don't label anybody anymore. Just leave everything as no thing, and then that keeps you in the state of curiosity to wow. explore what's what's there, but only in that moment. And then the next moment, the same person will walk past you, and you make them nothing again. So you let go what you had you made them a moment before, and you make them nothing again. And then you're just curious to be whatever, be with whatever is in front of you right there. I think that leads perfectly, really, when I'm looking at the number three, Cindy, they don't shy away from change. It means almost you welcome whatever is, whether that's a change in state or a change of position or a change of whatever. I, I really love the fact that um, all three of us, if anything, we're driven by change. We love change. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes the change, maybe ours is, don't do too much change all at once. Um, but I really love the fact that what you're saying then, Karen, in a way is it is what it is and be with that. And sometimes mm. that to change our state is actually a really cool thing. And I, I also would love to say that sometimes things happen to have you make a change. Like I look back at my beautiful sister-in-law passing away, taking her life 11 and a half years ago, nearly 12 years ago. At the same time, our house and a property deal went really wrong. So you can imagine emotionally and financially we were very, very challenged. And I wonder, had those things not happened at the same time, would we have made the shift and the change to, to move countries? Would we have actually done that? It was such an upheaval that it felt like it needed another upheaval in order to, to change, to get through it. And I just sometimes sit there as much as I'd give anything to have my sister-in-law back. I, I often also feel very blessed that I would never have come here, I don't think, had we not been in such a emotionally challenging time of our lives. Does that make sense? Totally. And I look at you two and I think, oh, my God, imagine, I, I, imagine me not being here. I, I I actually can't imagine that. It would not be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, but, but it comes back to that. Sorry, Cindy, I didn't mean to no, talk about No, I just said agree to agree, you know. I don't know. Well, yeah, whoa, whoa, what, it, I, that, that I can't even comprehend, actually. Mm. And do you think of everything that you've created here, Kimmy, and the reach that you've been able to establish, the lives that you've been able to impact, there's no way that that that's not beautifully been orchestrated. Everybody that you've met, everybody that you've worked with, you know, even people that just cross your path, your path at big events, mm. all of that is not us doing any of that. It's almost like it's the same innate intelligence that beats our heart and breathes us. That's coordinating who we meet, when we meet them, and how far we go down the rabbit hole with them. You know, absolutely, I love that's it. What I reckon. And you two don't shy away from change. But no, you, and I think no. we talk about 
it in number one as well. And they said, you know, that sometimes um, number one was, you know, don't waste your time feeling sorry for yourself. Or And we talked about, well, if you're not well, um, don't feel sorry for yourself. But it's a good opportunity to change. So mm. three really comes into one. Mm. Um it, it, you must change if that's what you're feeling like. You have to do it. You have to do the changes. You can't stay in that one place. And as you said, Kim, stay in movement, act, mm. do anything but not stay in that same place and make the changes. And I've, I feel like at the moment my life is changing way too much. I, you know, like I'm, I don't have that regular routine in my life. I don't get to go swimming every single morning because I'm, I seem to be away so much. Um, with work and when I listen to um, Joe Dispenza talk about the fact that the way you make new neurological connections is with change Mm. I started to think well then it's a good thing I started to look at it differently that um, when I do do something that's not habitual in my life which is going down, getting up in the morning, going to the beach, having my swim, you know, having a coffee with friends, coming home, doing breakfast, going to work. So when I'm not doing that, I'm actually making new neurological connections in my brain, um, which helps with growth. So doing things differently, not driving to work the same way, uh, thinking differently about um, something that's happening in your life, um, creating a change in what you're consuming, creating a change in not consuming. Um, and I'm not talking about food consuming. I'm talking about consumption of if you love shoes, Karen Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Did don't. Did say no, shoes? No, no, no. Did somebody say Cindy, shoes? Cindy, you don't need to go there on this one. That, that one's fine. You can No, no, that one's fine. <laughs> use, use another example, sweetheart. That one's fine. Yes, 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 yes. Let's let's not touch the shoes. Okay, I mean, really. <laughs> I, th- I think I made. I think I made a point. Well, we got four. Will we go on to four? Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like such a brat. Oh. Now, I, I think this one's a really interesting one. They don't waste energy on things they can't control. Can't we control everything? I know, right? I love it. Oh. <laughs> I know, I knew you can't oh. come here. Give it to us, Kaz. Oh. oh, I love this one. Oh, so cool. When we were <laughs> when we were doing the effortless self-unplugged, I asked a question. I said, okay, so who are our perfectionists and who are our control freaks in the room? And the whole room puts their hand up. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. Like so many of us are control freaks. But, okay, so here's, here's the down the rabbit hole bit. The very definition that we say we're a control freak means that we're feeling totally out of control. Mm-hmm. That's why we have a need to be in control because we are out of control by definition. Mm. So what is it that we're trying to control? Well, everything. And what are we able to control? Well, nothing which is why a person feels they need to control because actually there's nothing that we can control other than the self, other than the existence, the, 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 the meanness, this piece of life, my piece of life. That's the only thing that we can control. So when people are saying that they're control freaks, it's because they've got their focus on an outside world rather than the inside world. And that's where when Cindy says stop and start to pay attention to what's going on inside, it's such a challenge for most people 
because most people have got their focus on the outside world being what's my house like, my car like, my family like, my money like, my job, my business, my career, my success, my sense of achievement, my ambition, what am I doing, how am I doing it, what's the impact of that. So everybody's, most people have got this focus on that whole outside existence and that's vital, it's a huge part of being human but you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm a really big proponent of is that if you can't master the inner world first, there is absolutely zero chance of ever being able to master anything on the outside world because the outside world is always a reflection of us and because we are the centre of every single experience that occurs. We are the centre of it. Every experience that we have, we're there. So if we can master the inside world, then it makes every experience purposeful and magical and full of either opportunity, challenge, change or whatever the case might be. But if we don't master that inner world, the outside world will always be a circus. It will always be a mess. So when people are, those people who are control freaks, it's simply because they've got their focus in an outside gratification, an external, they're looking for external validation and gratification of who they are and what they're doing. Whereas in actual fact, if they can learn to change, and it's a 360-degree change to bring the focus inside and do all the doing on the inside, and what that means, you start to pay attention to the thoughts, start to pay attention to the sensations of the inside, start to pay attention to the feelings, and you do it moment by moment. It's not something that's a fictitious woohoo thing to say, oh, your answers are inside, let's zen the moment. It's not that. It's a case of saying, okay, well, what am I thinking? What did I just think? Well, I just thought X, Y, and Z. Great. Well, geez, I've never actually noticed the things that I think. I've never paid attention to that. Let me pay attention to that again. And what am I feeling? And what am I, what am I doing based on my feelings? Because the, the natural process of a human is we think, then we feel, and then we act. So our actions are always driven by what we think and what we feel. And in that thinking is also what we believe and our perceptions. So a lot of, um, a lot of that, that need for outside, for things to be right outside is because we know that things that, well, we don't know it because it's unconscious, but the need for things to be right outside is necessary because things inside are not right because we're living on perception and belief. And so my perceptions are different to yours, different to the next door neighbours, next to the person next to me, and I live like my perceptions are true. But in actual fact, they're just my perception, and my perceptions are the very things that need to be up for questions. So when I say bring your focus inside, that's the work, that's the doing, is to pay attention to what your perceptions are because your perceptions are always made up by you, no matter what they are. They're always made up by you, and if you made them up, you can make up something different that actually serves you or be in the no thing, which is a much better place to be. It does take work. It does take attention. It does take a little bit of effort, no doubt. But it's the most natural state of being for a human being. So if a person can focus on that and pay attention to that for about two weeks, it's all that it takes, it's all that it takes to create a change. If you've been being you for 50 years, you can change within two weeks. Too easy where all of your perceptions get cleaned up to a no thing or at least get cleaned up to a perception that serves you and serves humanity rather than a perception that the government's ripping us off, um, 
you know, people are nasty or, you know, my mother-in-law is this or my husband is that or my sister is this or my friend is that or my work is this, my money is that. All of that's just perception-based. So if we can do a little bit of work on that, then that's the inner work to control the inner world and master the inner world. And then the outside world becomes a natural reflection of the potency that we've established inside. And that's the end of that. You're flipping amazing. <laughs> you just, the way you articulate things and the way you say it, we are so blessed to have you. We are, we are so blessed to have you in our world and the way you say things just make it really, it's so simple. Uh, you know, I read a beautiful quote, uh, I might have it wrong, but the, the, the path to truth is simple, but the yeah. but the, the the journey to do that is anything but simplistic. And I might have yeah. that a little bit wrong, but it kind of really got me that it is so simple, and yet we yeah. maybe as human beings don't make it simplistic in, in the reality. Is that is that fair comment? Well, I think that there's a big groundswell of people who are on this edge of awakening and this edge of starting to understand everything that I've just said now, there's a huge groundswell of people who are starting to get become curious. When they hear things like what I've just said, they're like, I can feel that there's truth in that. And it's not just true for me, it's true for everybody. And that's the one thing that is, is, is vital about truth is that truth must be true for everybody. It can't just be true for me. So it has to be true for everybody when they get a direct experience of what I just said. And that's when a person knows, yeah, that feels right, that gels, that makes sense to me. And, you know, I think sometimes I think if somebody, if, if something feels complicated, it's because it's not true. If something feels difficult, it's because it's not true. Because the truth is actually the most simple way of living. It's the most simple way of being. But because we're not trained or conditioned or educated to know the truth, what we're conditioned and educated to know is, is societal belief, societal opinion, marketing ploys, um, you know, and, and, you know, we've spoken about this, but even the colour blue, who said blue is blue? You know, or everything that we believe to be true is really up for question because who said? I mean, not that blue is an important thing, but even that, who said? Let's rather be in a state of curiosity about that stunning colour that exists above us and then we can go from that, then we can be in a state of gratitude and awe. And I can tell you right now, if a person's in a state of gratitude and awe of everything around them, you see a tree, be in a state of awe. Because who said that's a tree? And who said that all that it does is provide shade? And who said that, you know, all that it does is, is do oxygen? What if it does a whole lot more than that? What if? What if there's a whole world inside of that tree that we don't know about? Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to be curious about it? What about your children? What about the earth? What about the ocean? What about a veggie patch? You know, everything, if we can be in a state of awe about everything, then all of a sudden all of the things that are small, mundane, un insignificant and unimportant take second place to this spectacular sensation that exists inside of you on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis so that when you, get, when you look at a tree and you're in a state of awe and then you do your best, now, you're going to do your best in a much better condition and probably get a much better outcome if you're in a state of awe because of the world that surrounds you and the fact that you've got a brain that can work out your best. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So I think it's just, it's really a case of 
of, of, of starting to understand, well, what is really going on inside of me? What's really going on around me? If I'm to release everything that I've been taught, just, just pop it on its seat for a sec, everything I've ever been taught. And let me try and learn for myself rather than learning based on what I've been taught. Let me learn for myself. Let me figure this out for myself. And it's a very different experience on the world. It's beautiful. I love it. Mm, I agree, sweetheart. <laughs> you actually had me at <laughs> Hello? the very first line. <laughs> and the very first line was people who think that they can control everything what was it again? They can't control. They can't control themselves. You had me there. That's what you yeah. had. Yeah. I, I think her other <laughs> way of saying that is people who think they can control things are delusional. I think that was another way of Correct. saying it. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's right. I have said that. Have been known to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. Yeah. Very, very profound, and and such words of wisdom, and um, it makes so much sense. And it is about just letting, letting it all, letting it all go, mm. and control, controlling yourself. Like it's about your, yourself. It's like when I talk about, you know, change. Don't expect that you're going to change anybody else but yourself. And it, it's with everything. It's um, that's what, yeah, that's what we need to do is just consider ourselves rather than controlling the world <laughs> and changing the world. All right, so number five was um, don't, they don't worry about pleasing everyone. Mentally strong people recognise that they don't need to please everyone all the time. They're not afraid to say no or speak up when necessary. They strive to be kind and fair but can handle other people being upset if they don't, if that didn't make them happy. All right. Mm. What do we have to say about that one, pleasing everyone? I, I, like, I like to not hurt people. I think that that's a, an important thing. I don't think we have to be rude about it. Yeah, I, I actually think I am a people pleaser to my own detriment, if I'm really honest. I, I say yes to so many things. So, um, and I just hush. Yeah, shut your face. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Oh, you're a fiend. <laughs> I'll just say horse. Um, but, yeah, I do say yes to a lot and sometimes to my own detriment where, you know, I get overwhelmed or I do too much or then I feel like I disappoint people. So I think sometimes, yeah, it's it's okay to please. And like you just said, Cindy, you don't want to displease people. But I think there's a real difference and I think the uh, – coach me on this one, Karen, but I think the difference is when ego comes into it, when – when I actually want to look good or I don't want to let people down or it's all about how it looks and feels rather than what feels good and right to me is, is how, how would you coach me on that one? <laughs> Bless your little buttoned face. Um, I would just suggest that, again, it's very similar to what we were just talking about. It's when the focus is on the external experience, it's on an outside world. There's never any joy to be gained from that and the truth is, the ultimate truth is, is that you can never satisfy another human being because you can never know their neediness. You can never understand what it is that they directly need. So the only way 
to find that sense of peace, equilibrium, and I guess it's almost like a neutralness or a benignness in life where you're not hurting anybody else and you're not hurting yourself. You're just in a state of pure being. You're just going about life, doing what you're doing um, and leaving who's attracted to you and who's not attracted to you. You leave that up to universal business. The only way to do that in a really uh, the easiest way is to just bring your focus back onto yourself and to say, well, what is it that, that, that makes me feel joyful and blissful? And I'm willing to trust, but I would never intentionally hurt somebody because I'm simply not wired that way. I'm just not wired that way. And so I'm never going to do the wrong thing. I'm always going to do the right thing. And I know that about myself. So from this point forward, I release myself from the need to be approved. And then you bring your awareness back to the way you carry that out. So when you feel that old habitual way coming up inside of you, because you know the sensation of that, you know what that feels like when you start to do the people-pleasing, that's when you give yourself a little bit of love and you say, you know what, I've actually given myself permission to not do this. I've given myself permission to be 100% free. So what is going to serve me in this moment that's going to serve me? in this moment. What is that? And it might be, well, I'm going to walk away or I'm going to excuse myself or I'm going to, um, you know, offer a piece of advice. Whatever it is that serves you in the moment will always serve humanity. And I think that's the key that we've got to understand is that we are incredibly connected human beings and everything that we do when it comes from the congruent and authentic self, everything that we do serves everybody. So we don't have to actually go out and look, what is it that people need? Let me serve that because that's the biggest mistake we can make. We're taking our focus off our internal passion, desire, selfness, um, and, and, and the reason we're here. We're all here to be these individual expressions. So if we can just be that and be completely safe and free to be that but we're being safe from ourselves we're 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 giving ourselves permission to just be a hundred percent authentic then there's no place for the ego to even step in and try and get you to manipulate a situation because no longer are you trying to please anybody outside because you've simply given yourself permission to be you and regardless of what happens outside it's not really relevant everybody's going to do what they're going to do and i think that um the key here is to know that nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, how can I ruin somebody's day? Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, how can I be a butt face? Nobody does. It's never intentional if people get hurt. Sometimes what happens is a way that somebody is being can be hurtful to another person based on that other person's perceptions. Now, try as hard as you might. You can never change another person's perception. They can only do that themselves. You can give them other ideas. You can give them other ways to think, of course, and you can try and correct it for them and tell them the truth. And if they get it, they get it. But at the end of the day, it's up to each one of us to really be responsible for our own perceptions. But I think what you would find is that um, the more you are in your authentic, genuine, gentle, beautiful self, the more you'll see that nothing you've ever done or anybody who's listening to this podcast, nothing that you've ever done has actually been the wrong thing or created a bad perception or whatever, whatever you think has happened. It's never done that. And if you look back at the actual truth, 
everything has been beautiful the way that it was. Mm. Everything has been purposeful the way that it has. So that's the actual truth. And the evidence of your life speaks volumes of that. You get so can every I time. Ask, she does. Um, can I ask, okay, an action step for that one. How, so if someone asks you to do something, um, they will ask you to do something. You feel obliged to do it, but you don't want to do it. Mm. Yeah, right. What is the action step there right now? What do we do? How do we how do we get through that without feeling guilty that we should be there but we don't want to be there because and, and I understand it's about you be yourself, you do, you know, all right, I need an action step. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's actually this huh? this is probably the hardest one for most people because it requires you saying no. And most people don't want to say no because they've got their focus externally. But here's the thing. The truth is the only thing that actually doesn't hurt. It's all the other stuff around that, that does hurt. So if you, can, if you can go inside and say, well, why is it that I don't want to go? Is it because I'm tired? Is it because um, what, is, what is my reason? And it's like going in and actually doing a deep dive into yourself and saying, well, am I not going because of my perceived beliefs about what's going to happen or am I not taking this action because of my perceptions? And if that's the case, then you've just got to correct your own perceptions and you might find you want to go again. But if you really don't want to go because it's not going to serve you, it's going to deplete you, et cetera, et cetera, or you don't want to do something for, for, for a reason that is going to have an internal effect on you that's not driven by your own um, ego or anything, then it does require a person says, you know what, I so, oh, sorry, guys, I'm at home and my and my, my kids are going off. <laughs> my fur family, can you hear them? That's Jet. He's a beautiful little man. Oh, sorry. He's adorable. <laughs> um. But, yeah, the action step there, Cindy, is being – it's not an external action. It's actually an internal action to go in and say, well, why don't, why don't I want to do this? Specifically, why don't I want to do this? What's stopping me? Is it my beliefs about those people? Is it my beliefs about the situation? Because if it's, if it's that, then you can clean that up um, and then make it – you know, then you can still decide whether you want to go or not. But if it's – and do you know what I mean by clean that up? I just realised what I just said then. Um, clean it up, clean up your own yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So if your perception is I don't want to go because I don't like those people, then, you know, you can clean that up and say, well, what is it that I don't like about them? How, how have I perceived them? What if I was to fall out of the sky and have no perception about them whatsoever? Let me go and let me be in a state of curiosity because usually if there's a challenge or if there's something coming up for us, it's because there's something for us to get out of that situation. So by not going, you're missing the learning. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that I've got a rule in my life that if something feels uncomfortable or difficult, I dive in with both feet because I know that there's something there for me to get and I want to get it now. I don't want to get it later. But having said that, if, if the reason that you're saying no or the reason that you don't want to go or the reason you don't want to do something is because there's no personal there's a, there's a personal impact on you like you're tired or what or you, you know whatever then or it's about self-care then it is a case of being willing to say no 
And if that causes a person guilt, guilt is the most useless emotion on the face of the earth. So then the work is not about saying no. The work is about why do I feel guilty when I choose myself over others? Why do I do that when I need to choose myself in order to be of value to others? Why, if I, why am I choosing guilt as an emotion? I could choose any emotion. I could choose elation. I could choose gratitude. Why am I choosing guilt? Where has that come from and how long have I been doing that? And then that's, the, and again, that's the internal action is to go in and have a deep dive inside of yourself and just, and figure out why you're choosing guilt. And when you get the answer to that, awareness is about 70% of the battle is won. You know, I think sometimes if you really can't get out of it, it's a family thing or it's there's something you have to do, even though you want to choose self-care or your own self-preservation over it. Often if you can't get out of it, I also go the other way where I go, okay, I really don't want to do it. I don't want to go or I don't want this to happen. But the push or the urge or the need for me to be there or do this is greater. Therefore, I'm going to choose now to go. There's some greater reason why I have to go. And often when I get there, there's someone that I've met or someone said something or something's occurred that's led me somewhere greater and there's never been ever a waste of time or a waste of reason for doing it. So sometimes I think too if the pull is greater than your need or desire for self-care, then then investigate the bigger picture as to why you're going or ask for And that's one of the things I do when I'm driving there. Give me the gift today that I need to go to hear this or see this. And sometimes that gift isn't always positive, by the way. But then that in itself is a learning or that in itself is an opportunity for learning from it. So, you know, I think there's two things here that we can choose to look after ourselves. But if we do have to do something that we particularly don't want to do, then what is the lesson that you're going to get from that too? Bloody beautiful. You know, I don't know if you, well, I think we all know, we're only up to number five of 13. (laughs) (laughs) And we've come to the end of our podcasting time. So why don't we continue this next week um, and finish off the rest of these 13? What do you guys reckon? I'd love to. I think they're wonderful and it's it's really helping. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think it's opening up some really cool conversations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fingers. Yeah. I'm I love it. All right. Well, cool. Well, guys, we're going to continue this conversation next week. Make sure that you tune in for part two of these amazing 13 things strong-minded people don't do. So we're going to see you here next week. If you want to make any comments or have any questions for us, go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also go to uh, allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments there. While I have you, though, I do just also want to let you guys know that we still have some spots free on our beautiful New Zealand trekking holiday and also in our Africa holiday. So to get more information on those trips where you guys can join Kim, Cindy and myself for a really intense, amazing experience that's totally life-changing, walking through the beautiful mountains of New Zealand and also trekking through the exceptional areas and tribal lands of Africa. Make sure that you go to allthews.awakenthechangewithin.com and right there you can download your itinerary. You can also get all the pricing and you can start your um, your payment plans right there. So don't hold back. Join us at um, on our trips in New Zealand or Africa or both.
And we're going to see you here next week on Up for a Chat where you are part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.